Father in heaven, thank you for this good news today that we remember especially Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, help me to speak this truth clearly uh, with the strength and power of your spirit. Help me to speak in a way that's faithful to you and your word. And Lord, please give us all ears to listen, attentive hearts, and a willingness to respond in a way that's right. Respond to you, the true and living God, who rules over sin and death and the grave, and you give life. So Lord, please teach us today. Work in us to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Please keep your Bibles open at Matthew 28. I think some of the best news that my grandparents ever heard was that World War II had ended. We, we thought that COVID restrictions for two years was long, but let us not forget that many of our grandparents, maybe if you're younger, your great-grandparents lived through six long years of grief and suffering, of loss and sadness and uncertainty about how long it would go. On the 15th of August 1945, the Australian Prime Minister announced that the war had ended because the war in the Pacific had ended. And there was much celebrating in the streets, even in Melbourne. Even without Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, word got around. It got around in old-fashioned newspapers and by word of mouth, the good news was shared. When you hear really good news, you want to share it. Back in July 2004, my wife Kirsty and I, well, she gave birth to our firstborn, Josiah, and that too was reported in the newspaper as people did back then. And the birth of our child was good news, wonderful news we were happy to share with everyone. We wanted everyone we cared about, everyone who cared about us to know this good news. And today, though, we hear some even better news, news that's worth hearing, worth Believing, worth sharing, worth telling. We remembered, if you were here two days ago on Good Friday, we remembered on Friday that Jesus was crucified. He was killed on a cross. And if you were here, you heard from Matthew 27 how the women who were followers of Jesus, they watched him die. And they watched Jesus carried to and buried in the tomb that would belong to Joseph of Arimathea. Mary Magdalene and another Mary, they saw the huge stone uh, seal the tomb in chapter 27, verse 61. And to stop anyone stealing Jesus' body, soldiers were appointed to seal it and guard it, verse 66. And it remained under guard Friday night, uh, all of Saturday, Jewish Sabbath, Saturday night. But then something happens, something happens Sunday morning around sunrise. We're told, aren't we, an angel of the Lord, an angel from God who shines like lightning, comes from heaven, lands with an earthquake and rolls back the stone. The guards shake in fear. Then they they freeze. Maybe they turn pale because we're told they were like dead men. And we'll come back to them. But let's focus on the first two women uh, who arrived, the two Marys. And this brings us to our first of Four points today, the angel speaks. Our passage is filled with people speaking and people telling others news. And so we're going to follow that theme as we move through the text. 
Matthew's gospel is one of four eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And in one of the others, in the gospel of Luke, chapter 24, it tells us there were actually other women who also came at some point to the tomb that morning. They came with spices to anoint Jesus' dead body, as was the custom. But something dramatic and life-changing has happened. The women arrive. They see the tomb open. Presumably, they see the guards there in shock and frozen with fear. And Mark and Luke's Gospels say that it was from inside the tomb that the angel speaks to them. And notice what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. The guards were afraid. And the angel tells these women, these followers of Jesus, not to be afraid. The book of Matthew actually started with some good news that was spoken by an angel of the Lord. The angel said in Matthew chapter 1, said to Joseph, take Mary home as your wife. She will have a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He's the one who is Emmanuel, God with us. And now, 33 years later, Jesus has died to save all who trust in him from their sins. But the good news is not only that, it's also that he's he's not still in the tomb. He's not dead because we're told he has risen just as he repeatedly said he would. Matthew 16, Matthew 17, Matthew 20. The good news, the angel speaks to the women, is Jesus is not here for he has risen. The one that they'd rested their hopes on, the one they believed would be the saviour king is not dead because his death for them was effective and his words can be trusted. This angel, this messenger from God, tells the women good news. And now they're asked in verse 7 to tell it to others. Go quickly and tell his disciples. Jesus is not dead in the grave, for he's risen from the dead, and going ahead of you into Galilee meets him there. And so the women run, as we read, with, with awe and with joy to tell the disciples the news. The original word for tell in the Greek speaks of reporting it, proclaiming something. In this case, this good news that Jesus has risen. Next point two, Jesus speaks. As the women are running back to share the good news with the men, verse 9, just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. Hello. Can you imagine that? Jesus also says, don't be afraid. And go and tell my disciples to go to Galilee, which they will soon do, as we read at the end. And Jesus himself, being alive, being able to speak his good news, it's the best ever news. The women come to him, and we're told, aren't we, they fall down in front of him, they hold his feet, they worship him. Once I was speaking with some grade sixes about Jesus' resurrection and they thought that I meant that he came back from the dead only to die again a bit later. Like someone who'd had a heart attack and been resuscitated 
and then brought back alive a few minutes later. But no, it's not a resuscitation. When we speak of Jesus being raised, we mean he came back from the dead never to die again. And he has a body. He's not some spirit or ghost floating around appearing to people, for he had feet that could be grabbed. Jesus' body was not in the tomb because he was raised to life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that after 40 days of appearing to people at different times, he ascended into heaven. He is with God the Father now, alive in heaven and coming back one day. Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. And this news, it's better and more momentous than the birth of a baby. Yes, it's even better than six horrible years of war around the world ending. Because this news is life-changing for millions. And it is good news that matters for eternity. Please notice that the resurrected Jesus was first witnessed by women too. And we should not miss the astounding significance of this. In Jewish and Greek societies, women counted for little, sadly. They were nobodies. They were forbidden from being witnesses in a court of law. And just as Jesus valued women in his earthly life, God here chooses women to be the first eyewitnesses to the greatest miracle in history. And when God performs his greatest act since the creation of the world in raising his son from the dead, it's testified to by the lips of those who were usually discounted. And so the irony is magnificent. It validates the the worth of women in God's mind. It also validates the truth of Jesus' resurrection because if Jesus' followers were making up this story that he was alive, they wouldn't have written this story with women being the first witness. Jesus appeared first to the women and in verse 9 they worshipped him. The word worship means or can mean fall down before, which is what they're doing. But it's not just about their body position. It's an attitude of giving him honour and reverence and, and respect. And these women, I'm sure, do all of those things from their hearts and with their bodies. They bow down before Jesus and honour him. You see, witnessing the Lord Jesus risen with a new and glorious resurrection body, it moves people who know and trust him to worship him. And it's only right for him to be worshipped because Jesus is God, eternal Son of God, who is Lord and he is Saviour. He is risen. Many Jews believe that Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross, but he did not rise from the dead. Most Muslims believe that he didn't die or rise again. And I suggest that most Aussies don't care and don't think it matters. But the message of Good Friday is that Jesus died and was rejected by God. When we had ignored and rejected God ourselves, and on the cross he was suffering our judgment. 
And then he rose from the dead, smashing death so that all who trust in him could have life forever, not hell forever, but heaven forever. Don't get bigger than that. His resurrection to life, it guarantees that if we trust him, we will be resurrected to eternal life too. And to believe in Jesus, to be a Christian, is to be absolutely convinced that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead for real. It matters. And in the end, everyone who doesn't believe that or think that, well, actually, the the truth of the events of Easter will in the end be their condemnation rather than a nice time of holidays and swapping chocolates. So do you believe that Jesus is alive and the Lord who speaks the truth? If you're not ready to commit to that truth and to him, please investigate it more. I'd love to come and talk with you after. love you to come and talk with me after. The good news that Jesus died and rose again and gives life, it is massive, it's life-changing. Because when Jesus has saved us, we, we worship him. And worship isn't just something you do when you bow down before someone. It's not just something you do for an hour in church on a Sunday. It's, it's a, a life. It's actually what you do with your whole life. About 12 years ago at the last church I served as a pastor at, someone I'll call Lewis, I'll call Lewis, became a follower of Jesus. He's in his early 20s. Lewis knew that he'd sinned and rejected God in his life and he, in the end, after many conversations, put his trust in Jesus for forgiveness and committed to follow Christ as Lord. And his whole life changed. He wanted to worship Jesus with all of his life. He came to look at his money differently and now wanted to be generous and give to the church and to mission so others could come to know Jesus too. He wanted to do what Jesus says in his word. He wanted to be kind to difficult people at work. He wanted to serve others rather than just wanting them to serve him. He wanted to love his new wife and then teach his kids to follow Jesus too. You see, for Lewis, Christ took priority over other things, really everything else for him. Christ changed what Lewis lived for. Believing the good news about Jesus, following him is life-changing. I wonder if it has been for you, Christian. Fellow believers, is your life different because you worship Jesus as Lord? And so the the angel has spoken and said that Jesus has risen. The, the, The risen Jesus has spoken to the women, which changed their outlook and their lives and everything, no doubt. And now we come briefly to the third point, the guards speak. In verse 11, 11, the women are on their way to speak to the disciples, as Jesus asked, and the guards, it seems, have recovered from their frozen state of fear. Uh, The guards are also then head back into the city to tell others what's happened. So they go to the priest, they share the news. Remember the earthquake and the angel and the stone rolled away and the body gone and the women who came as witnesses of this too and 
the Jewish leaders then speak to one another and come up with a plan to report what is false. They pay the guards to speak lies. Say this, his disciples came during the night and stole the body while we were sleeping. And and as we're told, the guards do go and speak a lie or the lie. They take the money, they did as they're instructed, telling people that Jesus' disciples stole the body. And Matthew, writing about 25 years later after the resurrection, said that this lie is still reported among and spoken by the Jews to this day. And the suggestion that Jesus' body was stolen is a story that people still believe in our day. But if the Romans or the Jews stole Jesus' body, they would have presented it when the Christians started saying to crowds of people that Jesus was alive. And weren't guards placed at the tomb to stop this happening? And why would the disciples steal Jesus' body and then allow themselves to be arrested and flogged and tortured and executed for what they knew was a lie? I don't think anyone would go through torture and a painful death, as most of the disciples did, for what they knew was a lie. No, the guards were paid to speak a lie. What the women and the disciples of Jesus would speak was the truth. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and risen. And this is the news that we speak Final points. So the women were told by the angel to tell others Jesus was alive. Jesus said to the women, tell my brothers. And we'll hear more next week as we finish Matthew 28 and we hear Jesus ask his followers to tell others about me, to go and make disciples of all nations. And Matthew, one of those eyewitnesses, has written this account of Jesus' life that we read today, this account of his death and resurrection, is written it so that others may know and believe the truth. Most people we live next to and are related to, most people we work and study and play sport with, most people in Melbourne don't know or they don't believe that Jesus is Lord. And he is alive. Most people don't know the truth that Jesus lived a life of perfect love for God and for others. Then he died in our place and rose again to give us relationship with God. Fulfillment now. Life to the full in God's presence forever. Most people don't know it. And it's life-changing news that deserves to be shared It's so good that we who are followers of Jesus not only should speak it, but we really know it's so good, we want to speak it. And fellow Christians, sharing your story, your testimony, can be a helpful way to do that. Sam Chan, I forgot a few slides. Sam Chan works for City Bible Forum in Sydney. He says, people often ask me, were your parents Christian? And when he answers yes, they immediately stop listening. So it's hard in that situation to 
share his testimony or the good news. Because they're thinking, oh, that's why you're a Christian. You grew up in a Christian family, and to them it invalidates everything I say next. But now he replies, yes, I grew up in a Christian family, but that makes it harder to be a Christian. Because nobody wants to inherit their identity from their parents. or the Yeah, their identity from their parents. Teens go out of their way to do the exact opposite of what their parents want. There was no way I was going to be a Christian because my mummy and daddy told me so or told me I needed to be, I needed to believe the claims of Jesus and the Bible on their own merits. Sam goes on and shares his testimony like this. I'm a firstborn Asian son who is a high achiever. My mission in life was to study hard and become a doctor. That would give me status and self-worth and security. So I was that annoying kid in your class who always asked for more work. So I tried to achieve my mission by getting good grades. And while my friends were partying, I was studying. But the problem with being a high achiever is that it makes you proud and insecure at the same time. For example, once when I was a doctor, it wasn't enough for my self-worth. I also had to become a surgeon to be somebody. But Jesus came to give me all the status and self-worth and security I needed. I grew up in a Christian family and knew about Jesus all my life, but I didn't fully understand until someone read the Bible with me that Jesus is perfect, so I don't need to be perfect. God loves me just the way I am because of what Jesus has done. I didn't need qualifications to earn God's love and I decided I didn't need to chase achievements to be secure. If I had Jesus, I could be humble and secure because my status was found in Jesus and not in me. Sam also speaks of Ethan, a man called Ethan in that helpful book, a uni student who was actually came to uni in Australia and was seeing other Anglos and Asians becoming Christians at uni. And Sam says, the secular media tells us that Christianity is declining and Western university students think that they've been told a better story already. They've been told that they are unique and special and unique. They've been taught to ignore what others tell them and instead chase their dreams. They're encouraged to be who they want to be, to be true to themselves and to do whatever makes them happy. But that story always falls apart. It's impossible to do what makes you happy all the time. And they become tired of just existing and living from day to day. They need something to live for. They're hungry for purpose. And in Christ, uni students and others are discovering belonging. In Christ, they find a tribe They find a better story than the one they have. They finally discover why they are here. They find a God who made them and who loves them and saves them. And they find a bigger story to live for than just themselves. So brothers and sisters, what could you say as you share your story? might take some thought and preparation, but invite people to step out of themselves 
and experience the Jesus of the Bible. Maybe you can invite a friend to read the Bible with you. We have good news to speak, good news to tell. But Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And if you're not a Christian, then I want you to know too, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And it's the best news that can give you purpose and life forever.